Hello and welcome to episode 133 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Joining me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can find on Twitter at League Freak. How are you, mate? I'm pretty good. Um, the NRL Nines has been run and won. And the Penrith Panthers are the champions. Uh, oh, no, wait, we're not. Because we got screwed. Yeah, so... Unfortunately for Penrith, before they took the field, the in-goal areas were made an extra metre wider. Mm. And Penrith weren't aware of this. No. Um, yeah, absolute howler of a decision by the referees. Um one try by the Dragons, forgot the name of the player. Um, he's dived over in the corner. He's planted the ball down, yeah, over the sideline, near mm. near the area where he needed to put it. But it was out by you know, an inch or two at least. Um, the touch judge was running down behind, and she was obscured because the Panthers defender was lying across the ground, so she couldn't have seen where the ball was planted. But there was also a in goal judge and he wouldn't have been obscured because he didn't have anyone in front of him and he said that was fine yeah it, it was a it was a howler um and i mean you know what it made me think about you know when we got rid of the the corner post as being part of the sideline i guess in goal judges it, it kind of made it it kind of made it so that you really had to be inside that corner post to score a try. And they knew if that corner post had been broken during the try-scoring play, that a play was most likely out. And that, and But because it's not part of the sideline anymore and players do these acrobatic tries now and everything, when we see those, we usually see them as a video replay when it's gone to the video referee. But in fast speed, like... It's just a completely different animal to judge altogether, and so like I'm, I'm willing to give some leeway there, but the Ingol judge, his whole job is to rule on that. And if the ball was even like it wasn't even as though the ball touched the sideline, the ball was over the sideline, and then there was grass between the ball yeah. and and so I mean it was a howler. I didn't blow up about it, but. I, a few people did. It, you just got to cop it, I guess. It's not the best way to to cop a decision, but what can you do? Well, one thing you probably could do is mm-hmm. around the Ingalls um, boundary, mm-hmm. you could maybe set up a, a wall and electrify it. Yes. And if you've got say two, three thousand volts going through that fucker, mm-hmm. and you get your armor grazes it. There's going to be a pretty strong reaction from the player. You're going to know he's touched that electric wall. I like this idea. Well, you know what we could do, right? We could, because it's got to be something that doesn't obscure the view of the fan. So here's what I'm thinking, right? We, right outside of the, as soon as you cut into the grass on the outside of the field of play, you have like this mini moat, right? So it's, it's not very deep. It's only a couple of inches deep. And it's not very wide. It's only a few inches wide. But we fill it with electric eels, right? And have you ever seen the video of electric eels when someone touches one? And they just... Oh, man, it's pretty cool. 
they fall to the ground like electric eels people don't realize they they properly kill people and so yeah that would be really cool um obviously we don't want to kill players that go over the sideline but you know you got to crack some eggs to make an omelet <laughs> exactly this is exactly right so i think i think there's ideas there that they should have brought them in yeah why not i don't see any downsides to that i mean we've got them playing in 40 degree weather and at five o'clock on a Friday evening in Perth. Wanna throw in some electric eels. Can't hurt. Can't no. make things any worse. No. Um, and and it well it'd be better than having to put up with Graham Annesley finding a camera and grabbing a microphone. I'll say it, that much. It's funny, I was about to mention Graham Annesley. Mm-hmm. Because... Uh-huh. He wasted no time getting his melon on screen. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think the first thing I thought I saw was he was wearing a Rolex. And he was making sure that everyone on camera saw it. Now, it's fucking hilarious you said this, right? Because you and me watched his clip on Fox Sports like five minutes ago. We hadn't seen it. And I fucking thought the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> It was like he'd even rolled his sleeve up real weird. Yeah, like check out my watch. Yeah, and like it was a weird way to roll his sleeve. It wasn't like it was out of the way or anything. It was just like rolled back in a weird way. And I was thinking, is he showing off his watch? And then you bring it up just then. That's hilarious. <laughs> He's definitely showing off the watch. Yeah. Um, but he, he also made um, he made a pretty quick effort to make sure he got it there and bagged the referees. Um, yeah. I'll tell you what, if he keeps this up, he would definitely get a gig with the Daily Telegraph. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised he's not on their books already, quite honestly, because no one bags the re- referees as much as he does. Um, no one likes to get in front of a microphone as many times in a week and just thrash the refs uh, and undermine them as much as Graham. Honestly, it's, it's really, on some level, it's kind of impressive. Do you reckon Buzz would be shitting himself? Well, he must be because, like, that's 87% of what Buzz does. Like, he's starting to, you know, he needs to find his own corner because Buzz, ha- Buzz has that corner and Graham needs to go and do his own thing. It's like maybe the the Telegraph, they look at that as once again the NRL trying to do, like, cut out the media and do it their own way. You know what I mean? Yeah. They've got that old cunt that they can bring on and it's Graham Mannersley and he pulls his fucking gold Rolex watch out and he stands there and he just bags the shit out of the referees. By the way, Graham, it's a little bit classless to have a gold watch. You've got to go with the silver. A gentleman has a silver watch. You're not fucking Tony Soprano. Exactly right. I've only got a silver watch. Yeah, you've got to go with the silver. Otherwise, you look like a fucking douchebag. Yeah, silver is classic. Uh, Gold is just you're showing off the fact that you know how to read a watch. Yeah, yeah. No, And no one cares. Yeah. Like, you'd be walking around everywhere and people would be saying, nice watch, going, yeah, did you know it's like 20 past five? <laughs> and they just go and tap someone on the shoulder. Hey, mate, it's 20 past five. Let me Look. just wind my sleeves up fucking three quarters of the way so you can check out my watch. It's like, why don't you just start wearing Mr. T's change, you fucking douchebag? <laughs> <laughs> you know he'd have one of those ones that's actually got the dates inside it as well, so you could tell everyone, you know, oh, guess what? Yeah. It's February 15th. 
I bet he has gone up to people and said, it's got a chronograph in it. Oh, yeah. Check out the clasp on the back. Look at that. It locks in so good. So now I'll take it off me because it's a Rolex. The hands glow in the dark. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, the uh, the Cowboys won the nines. Mm-hmm. They, they beat the Dragons. Um, do you reckon that the Dragons reaching the NRL's nines final mm-hmm. means that Paul McGregor will get another contract extension? I think that if Paul McGregor has children, that they are next in line to take over when his reign ends. I think they've already put in place a succession plan based on this nines tournament because he can fucking miss the finals and they will still grant him contract extensions. They had a good first month of last year and they gave him a massive contract extension despite the fact that his record is terrible and he's been there for so long. And he is more than he's more than had enough time to make it his club, and they're still bad. Yeah, I, I reckon they could just replace him with another McGregor, and he'd do a better job. I reckon they could replace him with Mrs. McGregor's from the Margarine. I was thinking of I was thinking of Ewan. Ewan, yeah, Ewan would be another McGregor. Who's uh, Connor? Connor would be a good replacement. There you go. Uh, what other oh. McGregors are there? I'd bring all three of those in, to be honest. Yeah, like have a coaching group. That would yeah. be interesting. The McGregor Trio. Can you imagine when they're doing the uh, doing the, the scouting in the, in the video sessions? Ben Hunt gets up. He says, I don't think that's a good idea. Conor McGregor goes, who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> punch, punch, kick. Yeah. Then ground pound. Um, now more news out of the nines. Mm-hmm. Pete Bedell from the Courier Fail has said that the low crowd figures at Perth for the nines are a sign that Perth don't deserve an NRL team. And I replied to that on Twitter today by saying, "Pete Bedell is an idiot." I concur. Um, it's really weird the Courier Mail. Hey, They've, it's like you've got media outlets that are all scumbags. But then you've got the Courier Mail, who it's like, it, it. I wouldn't call them scumbags. i just call them hillbillies, you know? It's like they're putting out a local rag for fucking the sort of people that are in deliverance. They, they're not really doing anything special. They're just like, oh, yeah, they don't deserve that. Yeah. Oh, sorry, the deliverance one threw me. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's utterly stupid. I mean, let's let's look at the facts, okay? It, it's February. Mm-hmm. It's bloody hot in Perth. Was it forty degrees or something like that yesterday? It was yeah, it was forty degrees yesterday, and it kicked off on a Friday, which is so dumb. It's yeah. so dumb. So like, who's making that decision? The, just the people, kick- you know, you know, the majority of the audience are at work. Mm-hmm. When it kicks off, and they're not going to go along and sit in forty degree heat for no. the last half of the day, and that's the thing too with these cities like Perth, Adelaide, Melbourne. It's not hot at midday; it gets hot around about four p.m., five p.m., and so on. Yeah, it's still bloody hot then, and it just stays there. So it's not going to be comfortable sitting there. Um, and what's worth, it was also Valentine's Day, so. Yeah. 
Some people would have been out celebrating that instead of going to the footy. Just dopey. And he figures that the crowd of 10,000 that turned up on the first day is a sign that it's no good. Um, so, naturally, I did a quick look. And the last time we had the nines on, the NRL nines, mm-hmm. was in Auckland. It was, uh, what was it, 2017? I think um, so. They, they attracted 22,000 fans over the both days all up. So basically on par with what Perth's got. And they've got a whole country with a much bigger uh, population than Perth has to attend. And fuck all else happens in New Zealand. Well, I mean, rugby, it's a, rug, rugby union still works over there. Yeah, but I mean, what ha- whatever yeah. happens in New Zealand. Ever since Lord of the Rings stopped filming, there's nothing doing in New Zealand. I know, volcanoes and stuff. Yeah, a volcano. Too soon? Too soon? <laughs> yeah, I think that is, Andrew. I'm disgusted. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so look, it's. I think it's utterly moronic to suggest that Perth doesn't deserve a team based mm. on the woeful scheduling of a Mickey Mouse tournament that doesn't include a Perth team. And that's the other thing, too. Here's an opportunity where they could have brought in a Perth team, it could have just been local players and said, right, you play in this competition. Yeah. Imagine that, that would have worked. Exactly. And this is the thing about this NRL Nines competition that just doesn't get me. Like, I didn't watch it because I just had no interest in it. And I'm somebody, I went to the two days of the Rugby League World Cup of Nines last year at Parramatta Stadium. So, and I love Nines footy. Nines footy's great. But I just there's something about seeing the same old bloody clubs playing in this competition that they've locked everyone out of, that's played on the wrong days of the weekend, we'll call it. That isn't a like they don't even play everyone in their own pool. They play half of everyone in their own pool. That was dumb. It's so dumb. And I just to me it was just like a nothing event. And like you didn't watch it either, right? No. And if they're missing people like you and me who love the game, love it enough that we write about it, that we do a podcast about it, like who is it aimed at? You know, like you could say it's aimed at kids or it's aimed at a new market or something, but they're not aiming at a new market because they're basically playing that game and then leaving, and that's it. They're not putting in... Any, it's not like they said, well, we're going to do a, a sponsorship drive for a new club. We're doing this for a new club or anything. They've made it pretty clear they're not going to start a new club anytime soon in Perth. Yeah, it's so kind I of just, like a, a tokenistic piece of bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just don't understand what it was for outside of maybe milking some money out of the West Australia government. Um, that's that, about like, it. And that's the thing is, I think we're probably getting close to a point where Perth locals are just saying, we want a team, mm. and we're just getting sick of being fed you know, every other team instead of our own one. Why can't we have our own team? Yeah. And it's a fair point. They're going to get bored of watching everybody else play all the time. Yeah, and, and it's not even as though with Perth we've said, look, there's – and I'll pick my club – there's the Panthers, and the Panthers every single year are going to play two games in Perth, 
and they've, they're going to do it for the next 10 years. It's not like they've got an adopted club. We're just playing these events over there and ditching them. Yeah. And that's not how you that's not how you foster a a new area for the game. And this is a place that has junior rugby league that has produced NRL talent. It's not like there's no rugby league there. I, I don't know why we just don't start a team there. The money's available, the player va- base is great. Uh, Perth wants a club. I think that they would have better crowds than a lot of Sydney clubs. I don't understand why they're not pulling the trigger outside of the fact that you bring in a, a 17th team into the NRL. That means that the 16 clubs who have a say on the ARL board now, they all of a sudden have their power base diminished by a percentile of what the extra club comes in for. Um, and that's that's the only thing I can think of. I don't know. I just think this is... This is a perfect opportunity where they could have said, you know what, we've had, we've, we've asked for expansion teams in the past, okay. Surely we could have narrowed it down to, say, four teams that were left that we were looking at to bring into the conference to say, right, all four of you have got a year to get a strong competitive side together for the nines mm-hmm. and put those four expansion teams in their own group. Yeah. And let them play each other once. And then, you know, the top team then goes through and they play with the big boys. And it could have been a a perfect way to sort of start the springboard effect and get them in there and get some of the new fans across that want to get across. And that's what... That's what... It's not really wasted. too. Like, it, it doesn't... It's a... First of all, it's a forgiving form of the game, Right. And it's one that doesn't really matter as much as the main form of the game, and that's just the way it is. But it it should be that format of the game where you do open up those possibilities. And that's the thing thing I hate about the NRL 9s. It's a closed shop. It's the same fucking teams that have an opportunity. They can open up the gates and say, let's bring in this. And instead they said, no, 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 we want to keep this for us as well. And I hate that. Yeah. Uh, in, in a perfect world, I would love to see every Super League team, every NRL team, and those four expansion teams in there. That would give you 32 teams. Mm-hmm. Perfect number. You know what I would love to see? I would love to see like new, almost new teams made up. So one Sydney team, one Melbourne team, one Adelaide team, one Perth team, a Darwin team, an Alice Springs team. Just from all of these different places, right? And then have a draft. And, and I mean, can you imagine what that would be like, seeing a draft like that? (laughs) And then, like, they might keep out the the test stars or whatever, or players that have played more than 150 NRL games. I'm fine with that. But, But let's have, let's have the nines be something different. Because that's what it's supposed to be. That's the beauty of nines football, is that it can be anything we want it to be. And I'm not saying start-up clubs like... I mean, I hate those teams where they call them, you know, the Stars or the the Rebels, just the made-up bullshit. Call them something real. You know, call them something that means something to those areas instead of just a, a sticker that looks good. That'd be so cool if they did that. Like, why can't we have it so that Instead of having clubs, why don't we just have 
the states compete and they have a draft and then we bring in the North Island and South Island and New Zealand, Papua New Guinea, you know, just have a bunch of places represented. It would be so cool. That would be pretty awesome. Mm. Anyways, <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do there. Um, speaking of more cluelessness. Yes. Um, the NRL is set to bring in finals. Um, well, they're going to scrap bans on players who have grade one offences uh, in the final weeks of the regular season so they don't miss any finals football. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very quick to call this stupid. Yeah. Because, and, wh- and one thing I said is what we should be doing is increasing the penalties for players who do the wrong thing on the field as the level of game increases. So a regular season NRL game, you multiply it by one. Yeah, it just stays as it is. For a finals game, multiply it by two. So instead of getting a one-week suspension, you get a two-week suspension. Yeah. Origin is times by three. Grand finals and test matches be times by four because you're yeah. on such a big stage there. You're on a world stage. I suppose you can probably put Origin there as well. I don't know, but... That, that was sort of the idea I was going on. Is if you if you do something really bad on those scenes, you know, on those on that stage, you deserve to cop a bigger punishment. And mm-hmm. hopefully, we can deter players who get to that level from doing dumb shit on the field. If this yeah. doesn't deter people. And like an argument I had was, we saw last year Josh McGuire rake his fingers across the, the face of a Melbourne Storm player. I think it might have been Cameron Munster. Mm-hmm. And he got a fine. So he was found guilty. He didn't cop a suspension. He got a fine. Mm-hmm. That's That shit's going to happen. You're yeah. going to have tripping. Tripping is grade one. Which is ridiculous. I mean, it's like insane. Tripping, it should be... At the very least, it should be one automatic game. There should be no way you can trip someone. Like, I think I'm of the old school of, like, you trip someone, you send off. And yeah, then you go to the judicial. Tripping is basically cheating and mm-hmm. so goddamn dangerous. Mm-hmm. I think it's high time we just said, you know what, if if these incidents happen, let's get rid of the grading system and say, right, have you been found guilty of eye gouging? Yes, mm-hmm. okay. Automatically, you get a 25-week suspension. Sorry, 25-game suspension. Yeah. You just miss an entire season because, you know what, we don't need that shit in the game. You do tripping, you can have 10 weeks off. Yeah. There's no need for this crap in the game. No. And it's it's not accidental. You don't accidentally gouge someone's eyes. You don't accidentally pull someone's hair. Yeah, there's a big difference between... And you you can see it, it when... A player, and like we've said this before, your hands really shouldn't be around a player's face, but sometimes stuff happens in, in a tackle. And if your hand gets in, a, if your fingers get into a player's eye by accident, I'm cool with you getting fucking a penalty anyway, right? But if you do that raking motion where you curl your your fingers around and you pull across their eyes, I don't want to see you for a year. There's yeah, just, there's no leniency there's no but, 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 but. There's no, well, this game's going to be big. I don't care. Go away. I don't want you in the game. And yep. I, like this idea that you can you not miss a game when you do something like that, that, like that should just be, as you say, the penalty if they times it by 20, 
I'd be fine with that. Yeah. This I gadget should just be just a no brainer. You spend a year out there, there's just no no need for that in the game. It doesn't mm-hmm. help. It doesn't make you tough. It doesn't make you a hard man. It mm-hmm. makes you a grub. Yeah. I know it's a bloody low life. I'd be bloody sick of that shit. Same. Um What was the other news? Oh yeah, we had the the pirates had a crack at Luke Keery. Um, yeah, I mean, geez, but like, I don't know how many L's does he want to take? He took an L on the stadium, you know, he took an L on the concussion pro like, and, and he's not going to be happy until they don't play any contact sport at all. He, he doesn't believe that boxing in MMA should be allowed. That's another couple of L's right there. I mean, come on, man. The funny thing I find about Peter Fitzsimon is the only relevance he finds today is via rugby league. Like, if rugby league didn't exist, no one would know who he was. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty funny, eh? Because it's the only audience he has now because he likes to stir him up. And generally, I just ignore his crap because <laughs> most of the time it's trolling. Mm-hmm. Um, but the there's, one, there's not I... much to talk about, so tonight we're going to bite. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and look, I remember, I remember the only time I ever bit to it was he would say he would watch games, right? Because why would he watch rugby union games? They're fucking garbage. Well, you so can't anymore. They're not on TV. Yeah, well, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually reading a thing that they were talking about um, how the Sydney club competition and the Queensland club competitions, the rugby union ones, were a really important part of rugby union's big whole of game approach to their next TV deal. But the the average audiences were like 13,000 people on free-to-air TV were watching those games. And I was like, man, if that's their, if that's one of the important parts of Rugby Union's whole of uh, game approach to their next TV deal, they're gone. That is a sport they're done because everything rates higher than that. Fucking Rex Hunt's fishing rates higher than that. Malcolm Douglas touring Australia, the Leyland brothers. I can go on and on about things that get higher ratings than that. Rage. But Rage, the Iron Chef, the Pepper Pig. Ah, everything, everything. I bet more people watch ABC News Radio on their TV <laughs> than watched Club Rugby Union in Australia last year. ABC Jazz. Yeah, ABC Jazz. Isn't it disappointing when you're looking for something to watch and you run into ABC Jazz or Triple J? Who who listens to Triple J, by the way? The stoners. How is it that when you turn on Triple J, you can smell the presenters? It's like scratch and sniff. Yeah, yeah. it's really weird. Oh, needs a bath. Yeah. It was very strange. Anyway, yeah. what we're talking about... Um, well, Luke, Luke Keery said about his concussions, he's, yeah. these are his quotes. It's weird because it's concerning how many times he's been concussed, but it doesn't play on my mind. I've gone through all of them with professionals, and none of them have been light ones where I shouldn't have been knocked out. They've all been big concussions. Most of them haven't been my fault. They've been accidental head knocks, which are going to happen in our game. If I don't want that, then, well, I shouldn't be playing. I understand it's part of our game. It's always going to be. It's not good. It's not pretty, and we don't want it to be. But it is a contact sport, and it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And he's right. Um, yep. Peter Fitzsimons said, his argument was, it doesn't matter 
if it's an accidental or intentional head knock, your brain's not going to know. And to some extent, he has a point. Yeah. But um, I, I don't know what what angle he's getting at there because I don't think here he's saying that the head knocks are something that he just ignores or he just he thinks are insignificant. Yeah, like he literally took a month and a half off from his last head knock yeah. uh, to get himself right. He the, And actually the Roosters made sure he saw a number of specialists. Like I can't remember in recent memory another player who took a head knock as seriously. And, and the other thing is too, he's not a player that has been known for his head knocks. And it is worrying that they all kind of happened pretty quickly. And I think that if they did continue to happen, he would retire. And I think the Roosters would hope, would push him in that direction as well. No yeah. one, no one's looking at this situation and saying anything other than we've got to take it very seriously. And and I, like I don't know what else you could want out of Kiri or the Roosters in this situation. No, and the fact is, he did say, "If I don't want that." Well then, I shouldn't be playing. Exactly, and look, that—that's that, what it comes down to. You know, we're the only species that straps something onto our head so that we can do things that are more extreme. You know, um, and at some point, if somebody wants to do something badly enough, they're going to do it. Yep. And you know, people that play—and I, I wrote about this years and years ago—people that play rugby league, they want to play a sport where you grab a ball and you get 13 people that their job is to drag you down to the ground. A normal person doesn't really play rugby league. You've got to have something inside you that's a little bit different. And especially when you get to the extreme end of the game, which the NRL is extreme. It's an extreme sport almost. It's crazy. Um, and to, to, to no one's there because they've being forced to be there. You know, everyone's there as a volunteer and they want to do it and they love it. It's not like anybody's there against their will. They all love it. And when they can't play anymore, they miss it. They wish they could play it again. And, you know, we've got to take, and you and me have done the best coverage of concussions in all of Australian media. I've got no doubt about that. Talking to Dr. Alan Pierce about it twice um yep. i i just think that there there are some people in the media that use concussions in an alarmist and extremist way to get themselves a little bit of spotlight and there's a difference between having concern and using it in a, a way that i think to me it just comes across as a little bit gross yeah i don't think i don't think um Pirate boy, he was actually that concerned about Luke Keery. No, um, and that—that's the thing here. Keery seems to understand the ramifications of what's going on with these concussions, mm-hmm. and he's gone through, you know, all the processes he possibly could, and had you know professionals, um, you know, check him out, make sure he's okay. If he's fine to keep playing, then we can't stop him. No, all I all I can suggest is. Luke, you've had quite a few head knocks. Donate your brain to science, mate. That's all I can suggest. Yeah, and like take 
take the advice of the doctors because yeah. they're, at the end of the day, they're the experts. Not me and you, not a dude that wears a fucking do-rag. Like, that's what it comes down to. And he's in good hands. And as soon, and I would be, I'd be like, look, as soon as a doctor goes, ah, oh, Luke, retire. You know, at that first sign that a doctor does that, retire. Because yeah. Kiri has made enough money. He's won a couple of, well, he's won like, what, three premierships now? Um, you know, he, he doesn't have anything to prove to anyone. He's a fantastic player. We'll never forget that grand final he played in, what was it, 2018, where, I mean, that was one of the great performances in the grand final when he, he just took over. Um, so, yeah, I, I just don't know what anybody would expect out of Luke Keery. And I just, I don't think it's a good idea to attack people about their, uh, from a, looking at them from, you know, a distance and telling and attacking them based on their health when you know that they're in the hands of professionals. Yeah. And better qualified and equipped professionals than the ones that um, the bandana boy had when he was playing back in the, 80s, 70s, 80s? I think it was the 80s. I don't know. Somewhere around there. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much the news. I mean, the only other news that's been going on is there's been a bit of a, a hoo-ha, I guess, over Josh Morris and Josh Dugan wanting to leave the Sharks and the, the club not wanting to let them go. Yeah, well, with I mean, Dugan seems like... And I feel like there's something that's going on with with the Dugan situation that we're not hearing about. And I don't think it's anything like uh, any bad news or anything, but I just feel like the Sharks would like to have him off their books because he's on a lot of money. Um, they, they offered for him to move to the Catalan Dragons about a month and a half ago. He said no, he wanted to stick around in the NRL. Um, and he's, he's got a contract and he wants to play there, but it seems like the Sharks don't want him there anymore. Um, they've got a fair bit of depth in their outside backs, their younger players as well, and I think they just mm-hmm. want his cap space. But at the same time, so they're saying to, to Dugan, like, look, you should look elsewhere and stuff. At the same time, they've had Josh Morris go to them and say, I want to go to the Roosters. There's that centre position open at the Roosters. Morris is coming out and saying, I want to play with my brother, which I think is just a tactic that he's using, and that's fair enough. But they're saying, no, we need you this year. Um, so, and, and I wrote about this a little bit, I think it was yesterday. They're kind of pushing Josh Dugan away with one hand and with the other hand holding on to Josh Morris with all their might. And it's a bit of a weird situation. If I was Josh Dugan, any time that the club called me in, to try and push me out the door, I'd have Josh Morris sitting next to me. Um, but the big thing about it is I wonder where the Rugby League Players Association is in all of this because they should be screaming from every single mountaintop about this sort of thing happening at clubs when clubs try and push players out the door when they're under contract. Yeah, look, I think the um, ultimately if a, if a club wants to push a player out the door, then they should be made to pay out the remaining, you know, every single remaining dollar that's owed to that player on the on that contract. Yeah. I I hate this idea that, you know, if Josh Dugan was to go to another club, mm-hmm. that 
the Sharks would pay half his remaining salary and the other club would pay the other half. Mm-hmm. I don't see how that's fair. Yeah. I, if, if Josh Dugan went to Penrith, okay, tomorrow, yeah, yeah. and he's still got a year and a half to, or two years to go at Cronulla, then yeah. Penrith should have him for free for two years and Cronulla pays his wage. Look, I, I can see I can see it both ways. I think that um, I don't mind if it's set up. So say Penrith wanted him, right? And they said, look, we're not paying the $900,000 that he's supposed to be on, but we would like to pay 400000 And if the Sharks are willing to eat that other 500000 fair enough. I've got no problems with that. I just don't like the idea that you can be under contract with a club and it goes both ways. I don't like it when a player is under contract and they try and get their way out of their contract. And I, I especially don't like it when the clubs have sat down. They knew what they were getting in Josh Dugan. They knew that he might have injury concerns at the end of the contract. And now that they're at the end of that contract, they're like, yeah, we're not really, we don't want you here anymore. It doesn't work like that. And I, I just don't think it's a good thing for the game and for clubs to be pressuring players to leave. And we saw it with Darius Boyd. You know, you and me were really vocal about that. The Having all of these former players come out and say, oh, yeah, he should retire and blah, 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 when every single one of them would have fought tooth and nail for every cent that they were, they deserved in their contract. I just don't like it at all. And I think that the, it, now it's happening with Dugan. And I really do. I, I just wonder where the Players Association is and where their fucking balls are. Because if they're not turning up and making a lot of noise out of this, what are they there for? Yeah. I'm, I'm, always, I'm always concerned about the, the RLPA because you rarely ever hear from them at yeah. all. And there's plenty of opportunity for them to speak up about stuff. Mm-hmm. And for for essentially a players' union, they are so quiet. Yeah, and they they tend to... It's almost like they come out about a week and a half later and they take this very diplomatic approach to a lot of things. And I think that... I, I do think it's important that you don't burn your bridges as a players association because you've you've you're obviously you're there for the players, but you've got to understand that what you say can affect supporters as well. Um so you don't want to burn your bridges. But I do think that in some circumstances you kind of wonder where the hell are they? You know? I mean we've yeah. seen before in the past when Remember when Newcastle players they missed a payment, and because the the club was uh, had some issues with the ownership at the time, and they they players missed payments, and the first thing I said is if I was a player and I missed I missed one payment I would not turn up to training, um, and I thought at the time the players association should have roared up the M1, gone straight to Newcastle and said nothing is happening here until the players get paid. And that didn't happen. Yeah. I, I just don't think that they... There are certain situations where players get left out like a shag on a rock, and I just wonder where the Players Association is in, in those circumstances. Yeah, it's it's almost a bit disheartening at times when you've... 
the most they're one of the best set up unions there are in Australia because mm-hmm. the you know the chief body they've got to deal with is the IRLC and the NRL, mm. and they've given them um, they've given the players players association a lot of um, a lot of authority and a lot of power, mm-hmm. and you'd think they'd start using it a little bit more. And see, this is the thing. Look, there's good people at the Players Association. There's no doubt about that. I, I just wonder why they don't get out in the front foot more often for the players. And I don't like that the NRL did a deal where they funded the Players Association to a certain extent. To me, that felt wrong. And I'm not saying that there's anything dodgy going on. I just think that for the Players Association to be as effective as you want it to be, they can't be relying financially on the same organisation that they have to stand up to. It's a conflict of interest. I feel like it is. And look, I'm not saying anyone's doing anything wrong. It just is bad look, man. Yeah, it's it's a conflict of interest from from the RLPA's perspective because it stops them from being independent. And that's what they're supposed to be as a union. Completely independent. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a weird setup. But do you think they'd, they'd stop their feet a little bit more, make a bit more noise and whatever else? I just, I really do. I wonder, at the RLPA, when this stuff comes out about Josh Dugan, why, is it, why isn't that the priority, you know? Uh, and... Because Josh Dugan should be under, he should be under performance pressure from the Sharks without doubt. If they want to play him in reserve grade, they don't want him in the first grade team. They they're under their contract. That's fine as long as they pay him all of his the money that is due. But there shouldn't be this pressure to medically retire or to leave the club or to go over overseas. I I don't like that, and I think that that's I mean that's almost a mental health issue for players because. I mean, can you imagine having your employer do that? You know, yeah. they're like, we've got to pay you, you know, $1.8 million in the next two years, but we don't want you here, dude. And we're going to be really open publicly about it. I just think it's gross. Right. Plus, example is what um, the West Tigers did to Robbie Farrell when Jason Taylor arrived. 100%. 100%. Um, I have had an idea. Mm-hmm. Why not get Graham Annesley involved in the <laughs> RLPA? <laughs> He'd be on the TV every night. It'd be great for the RLPA. Yeah. Bit wow. of publicity. You'd have a, a Monday video session. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be hard to do the the you know the videos and the, the laser pointer thing when you're talking about contracts and stuff, but you can still do underlining and stuff and text. And This is where it said how many years he's been signed for. Do you reckon that? Uh, do you reckon that Graham Annesley has actually had a laser pointer, or do you think that we've just been dazzled by his watch? <laughs> Definitely the latter. <laughs> Maybe his watch, being a Rolex, has got an inbuilt laser pointer, and you can just sit there and just shine it and just press a little button on the side. Maybe, hey, maybe he's just he's like every time we think it's the layers point, he's been saying, "And look at this!" And then he goes and he grabs his watch and he puts the little light on at the side, just like, "Oh yeah, just uh, don't mind me. I'm just looking at my Rolex and just seeing what time it is." You know, my Rolex has a laser pointer. 
and yeah. a time and a calendar. Yeah. And look, turn the lights off. Look at that. How close do you reckon reckon he was to thinking, man, maybe I should go sleeveless to show off my watch, just completely sleeveless? He must have been tempted. The only reason why I think he went with a long shirt is Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if the shirt cost a bit as well. Probably. That's probably. He just thought, the only one I have was a long sleeve one. I'm just going to have to wear it. What's a good shirt company? Like, when I get shirts, man, I, I just, because I'm lucky. I wear the shirt. The shirt doesn't wear me. You know what I mean? So I can yeah. wear this sort of shirt. But Graham Annesley, I mean, he'd, he's probably got some silk do. Yeah, he, he'd have some, some pretty high-end gear, I'd imagine. Yeah, Italian, you know. Yeah. With yeah. Rolex. Probably went over to Italy just to buy it. Yeah, get fitted by some short Italian guy that's been doing it for 80 years, doesn't speak yeah. English. He just has knows how yeah, 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 exactly. He knows how to measure the inseam of your pants without touching your balls. That's a skill. Oh, it really is. That is a skill. Yeah. And, I mean, it wouldn't be much of a skill with Annesley. But, uh... <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, it would it'd be... It'd be, it'd be an expensive shirt, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah. Pretty expensive whole ensemble. I feel like he'd be the sort of dude that would have one of those bags for his jacket for when he travels. He would do. You'd think for a man who's got a Rolex, he'd get a better haircut. Yeah, it's not a good haircut. No. He could do a bit better. He could get a bit of a mohawk going. Maybe he could get, like... Because he's got a decent head of hair for a bloke his age. Well, maybe he could get one of those... You remember... Gordon Ramsay about 10 years ago had that really poofed up sort of version. He had all blow waves and shit going on. Anderson should get into a bit of that action. Yeah, and you know what? A few highlights wouldn't kill him either. Wouldn't like, work. Yeah, just get some highlights in there. Uh, it's something that'll pop with his Rolex. Yeah, a few, a few blonde highlights. Yeah. yeah that would, and he could start, you know. I'm thinking just, of that... Thinking of that ad now. Do you have hair? <laughs> yeah. By the way, George uh, George Williams, Canberra. Yeah. The Coxman. He's, uh, I think he's injured, hey? I think he picked up an injury in preseason training. That wasn't to his third leg, was it? Well, it, it was a lower, I believe it was a lower body injury. So straight away, I just thought like, you know, he's just been laying it too much. <laughs> that's a... Yeah. That, that's a pretty big target right down there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you imagine if, you know, George Williams gets a groin injury. It's like three and a half feet of body that's injured. I'm sure he will get one. I mean, you can't... You can't be cutting around that much gear and not mm. be pulling some other muscles out of joint in your upper body somewhere. 100%. I mean, that sort of thing... It's got to put pressure on, like, even your upper back. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you try getting, like, three and a half kilos of meat hanging out the front of you all day, every day, dragging that around Canberra, saying, get a load of this, sweetheart, and he's whatever accent he's got, Northern England accent. He can't help it. No, he can't help it. It's almost a disability. It's what he's born with. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, 
Man, he must have a hell of a heart on him. I reckon, hey. I mean, it's... I, I think you're right. It's probably classed as a disability in some way. You think of, like, say, you know the elephant man, how he had a disfigured head? Mm. George Williams just happens to have this just giant hog, like this just giant animalistic hog. And just every time he drops his pants, he says, I'm not an animal. I'm a human being. <laughs> what are you a... looking at? Stop yeah, looking exactly. at me. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, right, on to other news. Mm-hmm. Reviews. Oh, yeah, we got some really yes. good reviews. We asked, yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. We asked people to do reviews and to rate the podcast because it helps us get the word out on all of the podcasting apps. Um, you know, it's all the algorithms and stuff. They go by how many five-star ratings you've got and how many reviews you've got. So anybody that's listening, if you're listening on Apple, iTunes in particular, um, go down and give us a five-star rating and do a really good review. And uh, we've all, we've said we'll read them out, so how about we start? Yep, and first one is from, from Nadine. Mm. At last the boss has got on here. Oh, hell yeah. Um, it's titled A Real Podcast for Real League Fans. Mm-hmm. It comes across like an advert. I'll try and read it like one. Are you sick of all the sameness which takes place in the NRL? Over journos patting each other on the back and reporting on their mates' opinion pieces? Tired of excessive reporting of off-field matters? You've come to the right place. Two guys, a rugby league historian and the league freak, talking about the game with a genuine love for the game. No bells, no whistles, just honest opinion and facts. Hear that? Facts. I'm talking to you, James Hood Ornament. (laughs) That was a fucking good one. (laughs) That's a good one. Um, next one. That was fantastic. That was good, Nadine. Thanks for that. Um, next one is uh, heading his goats infield <laughs> from RL Historian, and he writes, KS from Leeds highly recommends. <laughs> Do you reckon Kevin Sinfield listened to our podcast? No, because he's not on it. Yeah, yeah. He's one of those people who stops listening when he stops talking. You reckon? He's probably yeah. too busy, uh, you know, as head of Leeds Rugby, just fucking things up. Pretty much. <laughs> um, next one from Andy M 73 It's also titled Goats in the Field. <laughs> it's great rugby league podcast, but the fascination and promotion of Kevin Sinfield as the greatest player of all time is beyond me. Everyone knows it's Clint the King Gutherson. Seriously, though, keep up the good work. How dare you, Andy, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and Trevor Galoot says, go no further for the best league podcast. The best darn league podcast out there. The history stuff is incredible. Love Fergo, but not so sure about this league freak guy. Have heard he could be the Panthers mascot. How fucking dare you, Trevor? I haven't been the Panthers mascot for a long, long time. It's been like six or seven weeks now. Ah, you know... They catch you urinating on the side of the road once, and you're out. Dude, it's a good thing they caught you. They caught you urinating on the side of the road. Imagine George Weaver's inside that costume. Oh my! Well, what do you think all the flooding's been? I mean, <laughs> exactly. Fucking like George would fill up down in fucking the ACT. I don't think it's technically in the ACT. I think it's just outside of it. But you know. So is George well, Williams' peace when he gets out of bed. 
probably lives in fucking Belcon and he rolls over and all of a sudden his piece is like on the border of South Australia. Oh, boy. Man. Maybe. I, I, I just know that we're not going to drop this fascination with, with George Williams's um... Donk. <laughs> I was going to say yeah. hood ornament. Hood ornament. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be like a thing of myth and legend. You know how, like, isn't Canberra, doesn't Canberra mean, like, meeting place or something in Aboriginal? Something like that. And then you've got the Bogons. Yeah, you ever been in Canberra when the Bogons start? Uh, no, but I have seen plenty of those around. Fucking Jesus, they're annoying and they're giant. Yeah. Uh, and then, so, like, it's it's very, you know, steeped in Aboriginal culture, Canberra. And so, you know, they'd obviously have the story of the Rainbow Serpent. Well, now you've got the Charing White Serpent that's turned up in Canberra. And uh, he's hungry. He is. Now, one other thing that happened with the podcast during the uh, the last week mm-hmm. is that we topped the Apple podcast chart for a uh, rugby podcast in Australia. Yeah, we're number one with it. We're the kings of rugby podcasting in Australia. Uh, we dominated our competition. I'm not saying that our competition is of less worth than we are. No, God, no. I mean, let's be honest. Um, the competition in the rugby podcasting realm mm. is the fiercest and toughest of all podcasting realms. So you have to be that damn elite just to go up a spot. But to be number one, yeah, and uh, just so everyone knows, it wasn't the first time we've been number one. No. It's the third time this year. Yeah. We just decided to, I mean, that's that's where we're at in our lives, Andrew. We sort of, it was, well, was it about this time last year that we, maybe it was a little bit later than this, we sort of said, no, it would have been about this time last year, yeah? What's that, when we... When we decided to do the podcast. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, hey, do you want to completely fucking dominate the rugby podcasting section of Apple iTunes and decimate the competition? And and you were like, yeah, let's do it. And we set our mind to it and just, we did it. Which makes me wonder, what, what should we do next? It's a good question. Um, I mean, we've done this in less than a year. Yeah, yeah. Uh... I reckon what we should do is keep dominating the rest of the the rugby podcasts on iTunes. And the way that we would do that is if we keep getting those five-star ratings and those, like, those uh, really cool reviews, we'll keep doing that. Because that's a good idea. something inside me, there's so much joy in thinking that some prick from North Sydney sits in, in a studio puts together a rugby podcast and then looks and sees us above them, towering over them like a colossus. And knowing that our version of a studio is um, me with two pillows around my microphone. Yeah, and me talking into a furry box. And and I'm not even doing that today because I broke my cable that comes out the back of the furry box. So I've got to get a new one. So I'm just talking into my laptop at the moment. So I'm hoping you were going to say you broke your furry box. 
now my furry box is pretty solid. It, it stands up to some pretty, a lot of punishment. Um, I really stick my head in there. I get right inside of it. But uh, for the furry box, is, it still looks pristine. It's really good. It's, uh, I've got nothing bad to say about the furry box, eh? Oh, that's worked perfectly fine this far. Yeah, yeah, it really has. And uh, so I'm going to get a new cord tomorrow and because uh, I want to be able to get stuck back into the furry box. I like using it. Who wouldn't? Ah, exactly. It's well made, well constructed. Oh, ding. That sounds important. Ding, ding. All of my shit just went off all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> Furry box. Holy shit, man. <laughs> wow, man. This man's important. Yeah, yeah. This is very important. I'm actually being get... told. Uh, do, get... you want, do you want to know what I'm being told about? Okay. I'm, I'm being told about a little dog that just got its hair clipped. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. <laughs> uh, I had an idea, actually, of one thing that we could do as a yeah. side project. Yeah. We could just set up the best ever bicycle repair shop. Oh, yeah. Well, Mrs. Nathan, right, she's got a real nice bike, and it needs a couple of extra things. You know what we should do, right? We should send Mrs. Nathan a Fergo and the Freak logo sticker. You know the one with you and me with the the hoodies? And we should send her one of those to stick on her bike. That. that sounds like a good idea. That would be cool, eh? Yeah. Her her bike that that Nath, that Mister Mrs Nathan broke. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be honest. He broke it. We well, it seems like it. He we broke just, it. Then blame Santa. Yeah. Oh, I want another one. You know, <laughs> it's not how it works. Can you imagine that? It's a perfectly good bike sitting out there, and he's like, "Oh, I don't want that one. I want another one, please." Yeah. Yeah, I want a pink one. Probably. He probably just was upset because it didn't have the basket with the sunflower on the front. Yeah. That'd be all it was. Yeah. Anyways. Um, what else have we got to talk about before we wrap this thing up? Um, I t- I'll tell you what we'll say. Our numbers are crazy at the moment, considering it's still pre-season. Um, I know you and me... There are mornings we jump on and we have a look and we're like, well, this is my phone. I can't off yet. Uh, we we go on and we'll be like, holy shit! Have you seen the numbers? And it's it's incredible. So and we've got a lot of new listeners. I know that we've been both getting messages from new listeners saying they enjoy the podcast and stuff. So to all our new listeners, thanks for tuning in. Um, stick around. It, it like we do all sorts of different episodes. Uh, we've got history episodes. We have a bit of a laugh sometimes as we look at the news. We come out with things that we'd like to see changed in the game. Um, so thank you for, for joining us and, and tell your friends about us too and leave those reviews and everything on iTunes because that's fantastic. I also want to say like um, Spotify is something that we're pushing at the moment. And obviously if you're listening now, um, you, you've got your listener to the podcast. You don't have to do anything different. But um, we're on Spotify, and I don't think too many people realise that. So if you are more into listening to Spotify or if it's in your car or something, feel free to listen to us on that because we see the stats that come back from that as well. 
So, and if you know anybody that has Spotify, say to them, listen to Fergan Freak, man, because they're ready to rock and roll. They're a good podcast. We are indeed, and uh, I mean we're also we're I mean we're on every podcasting outlet there is there. Yeah. Um, so, whichever one you're listening to, we're on it. Um, and yeah, we're on YouTube, we're on LinkedIn, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter at Fergo Freak Pod. We have an email address. Um, yeah, dot com. Yeah, drop us a line. Have we had any emails? I should ask. This is uh, a fun no, part of the show. Yeah, yeah, no, no, we have. I checked earlier. <laughs> I actually checked. I did some prep. You did some prep. Have we had yeah. any spam? Oh yeah, I, I always get spam. Hey, I, I get a lot of people that say that they found my site and they want to help me with my SEO. And if there's one thing I don't need help with, it's SEO. Been doing this shit for too long to need any help with SEO. Well. I've got a bit of spam. Yeah. And it's got a headline, can you imagine eating an entire tree? And my response was, delete. <laughs> I kind of wanted to see what the rest of it said. I, I didn't. What, how would you even go? For, I, you know what? The, the thing about spam, right, is that they don't target people that see it and go, oh, yeah. So, you know, when you see subjects in the subject line, it'll be, uh, they'll have spelling mistakes. They do that on purpose because they're trying to get the idiot that doesn't realise it's a spelling mistake. Yeah. Um, I've got another spam email here, mate, and it's it's quite funny. I've opened it up to read it. Okay, go for it. It's titled, Eat This After 7pm to Regain Lost Memories. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you, what food do you reckon will help you to regain lost memories? Because I can guarantee what you come up with will not be what they've got a picture of here. Honey jumbles. No. Okay. Uh, what about... Um, what about... Uh, <laughs> Softshell crab. No. One okay. more guess. Okay, one more guess. Um... Oh, man, that's a tough one now. Uh, Grand Big Max. Nope, it's spam. <laughs> like actual spam. Actual spam. It's like they're trolling themselves. Wow. <laughs> I've told you this. I've had deep fried spam in England, hey? Yeah. I yeah. didn't mind it. I didn't mind uh, it. I, it's. It seems weird. Yeah, like you you know that you're eating the, like, fucking corneas and the lips and the assholes of whatever animal they grind up to make spam. But when they deep fry it and you have it with, like, uh, like mushy peas or something, like, you can only have one because I think your system would shut down otherwise. But, yeah, holy shit, it's proper spam. Yeah. Okay. Spam, spam being advertised in spam mail. That looks like that doesn't look like the real spam though. That looks like some knockoff version of spam. Yeah. That you get in an Eastern Bloc country. Oh, you you get that one from um. Uh, well, they got they got two different supermarket chains there. What's, what's not... the? 
Hey? I was going to say, that's the sort of spam that you have to eat right now if you're living in Wuhan. <laughs> fucking that's what you can get, what you got in the house, because you can't leave it. Yeah, you get it from Asda. You know, cut out bin out the front. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one. It's on special. It's on special. Yeah, it's got some, like, uh, Russian writing on it. Yeah. And people will eat that because they go, well... At least it is ham inside, unlike the beef they've got over there, which is more likely to be horse. Yeah, see, if I'd eat, I'd eat horse. No problems eating horse. Mate, if you've eaten beef in in, in England, you've probably already eaten horse. 100%. Yeah. You know, the Mongols used to take milk. For, one of the things they used to do is they take the milk from the horses, right, when they were traveling, because they didn't set up proper camps. They sort of traveled with their horses. So they take they'd milk their horses, uh, and they would then slit the uh, their neck and add some blood to the milk, and they drink that. Okay, I don't know why I brought that up. I'm sorry. No, I'm more wondering what what benefit do they think they get by getting putting blood in there? What was that a flavor enhancer or? That's a good question. I guess I I don't know because I mean I guess you can bleed a horse a fair bit. Maybe it was. Uh, it added nutrients or something that they didn't have at certain times. It's a pretty wasteful way of going about it. I mean, sure, they could have just put a little cut on the, the leg of the horse and kept the horse alive, so they could have got more milk and more blood out of it instead of just I, being a one-use type thing. No, no, they, they'd keep the horse alive. Like, they wouldn't fucking cut its throat. <laughs> they wouldn't slit its throat or nothing. They'd just give it a little bit of a nick, you know? Fair enough. Yeah. Well, there we go. It was a good way to end the podcast, hey? It was. We've stopped talking about eating animals and now we're killing them. Yeah, yeah, it's good, it's good. I got got a a million different facts about the Mongols. It's one of my favourite subjects, but that's all for another time. Yeah, maybe next episode. Yeah, yeah, it'd be good. Um, We do plan on doing a history episode again very, very soon. Yeah, should we say what it's about? Um... Nah, let's give them all a bit of a surprise. Yeah, I agree. They can get started. Because I've got to figure it out yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I know, I, I know what it's going to be, but uh, yeah, we'll... I've just got to flush it out. You mean we have to figure it out? Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. I've got to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be one of those episodes... Because it's funny, because we've done a few episodes, the history ones, where we've been, like, back and forth and stuff. But then there's a there's some of them where I, I dead set, and we've talked about a lot of this stuff and not recorded podcasts, but you tell me stories, and it, it's more back towards, you know, the earlier parts of the game, where I'll just sit here and you'll be telling me about stuff, and I'll be like, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. It's going to be one of those episodes. I'm actually really looking forward to it. I can't wait. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I love those uh, the stuff from the, the first 20 years, especially the game, because so little of it was has been recorded since then. Yeah, yeah. But going back and digging it up and finding little links to other people and other parts of the story and piecing it all back together. Um, I really enjoy that research part of it. So, um, yeah, two two really good episodes I'm, I'm uh, looking at, which we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, nice. that's going to be pretty good. You know something you do really well, right? And, and I know you don't like praise, so I'm going to praise you. Um, you you take a, you take 
what's happened in the history of the game. And instead of just taking the the one event or the one subject, you weave in parts of what is going on around the game at the time and different people that are involved in the game and and, and different um, pressures on the game and stuff. And what it does is it fills it out and it really gives it the colour and the life that sometimes when you listen to a, a historical podcast, it can be a little bit dry. And because of the way that you weave different things in, it really gives it life and it gives the people that were that are the subjects of those history podcasts that we do, it fleshes them out as real people and you can sort of identify with them. And it's funny because there's things that uh, you've brought up in the history podcasts from very early in the game's history, and like we're going back like a hundred plus years, and in some cases now, where you can see that you bring in the motivations of the people, and you can see how there's a common theme with the things they were trying to do to the things that we like to see happen today, and that's one thing you're really good at, and uh, that's one of the reasons why I love the history podcast, and I think why other people like hearing the history podcast too, because it's not just a dry you know, reading of something that's been recorded. It's you bring it all together and you're really good at that. Yeah, look, I think the, the thing with that is um, it, it's easy to write encyclopedia entries, but mm-hmm. I find with those, the, like the whole target I've got when it comes to the history ones is I want to reveal the people. Yeah. It's easy to just talk about, well, he did this, he did this, he did this, and yeah, you can... You can look that up on the web on my website, but mm-hmm. to learn about, you know, as you said, their motivations, why they did what they were, and you know their backgrounds and what led them to there, and you know, the sort of person that they were. Yeah, like, we'll look at a few people like Henry Hoyle, who was a you know worked in the unions before, so you just knew the sort of background he had and why he got so strongly affiliated with rugby league to start with, mm-hmm. and you find there's a lot of common themes like that, so. It's it's important, I think, to know about the person so you get a better understanding of what they're doing and you get an understanding of what their motivation is and why they did the things they did and why the game... It sort of explains why the game has gone the direction it has. Yeah, and it, it, the weird thing is, is the, the DNA, it's still part of the game and it's not something that's I think, has been um, fostered uh, on purpose within the game. But it's still there. It's really strange. And the thing about rugby league as a sport historically is that they're like, and, and I, I've said this before, like I, I was, I'm very big into basketball history. And let me tell you, basketball history doesn't have a shred on rugby league's rich and beautiful and dramatic history. And some of the figures who are literally legendary with the things they've done. And a lot of them who you haven't even heard of before and who even somebody like me, who's, who has done a, a lot of reading about rugby league history. Like there's people that you bring up to me who I've never heard before. And you'll tell me about, and I'll be like, wow, this person's extraordinary. Um, and those people are, are littered throughout the game's history. And it's, it's amazing to hear about them. It's amazing to be able to talk about them. And to, to just to learn about them, even as someone like myself, um, it's great. And and that's why, you know, if, if all we did was history podcasts, 
I'd I'd be thrilled with that. It's just that we got a, we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> That's right, and we like chatting about all that other stuff. Yeah, and like I, I don't think people would really understand how many hours we have literally just sat up all night just chatting about all sorts of stuff about the game. Like we could, pro- if we'd recorded even half of them, we'd probably have another hundred and fifty podcasts. <laughs> pretty close, like. It, it, it's crazy how much we both love talking about the game. Um, so, yeah, so we've got all of that coming up, which is something to look forward to. Yeah, boy, it's going to be a big year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've got, obviously, heaps more history stuff. We've got season previews coming up, too. Yeah. Um, you know, the footy season's finally starting to get underway now, so all of that. There's all the weekly news and stuff that'll go on. Um, all the crazy bullshit that will go within the media. Yeah, I, you know what? I, one thing I'd like to do is an episode that's dedicated to your website and then one that's dedicated to my website. I think that'd be cool to like almost get an oral history of both of the websites because they're, I think they're very, in, I think they they are interesting histories for both sites. Yep, sounds good. Put that down. Yeah. And there, you know the other thing, and somebody, man, I wish I could remember who it was. I'm sorry, I can't remember who it was, but somebody on Twitter said they wanted me to do a podcast of all of the fucking weird shit that I've bought, and because I bought, an, I, I got another delivery during the week. So, um, so yeah, so we'll have to do a podcast where I'll take some pictures and get some video and stuff of some of the shit, and uh, we can chuck that up. Sounds good. Yeah, that sounds we'll very that on, good. Do that on a quiet week. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, that that's going to be a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, people. Well, thanks for tuning in. Um, hope you enjoyed the episode. As I said, hope to have a history one coming up in the next few days. So keep your your ears tuned for that one, and uh, we'll catch you next time.